Webster here. Gee, it's so good to be here. I, uh, I was chatting to Heather two, two or three days ago and Melanie yesterday, and um, I love that we are friends of Glenridge. This church is in our hearts, and I was uh, laughing earlier with Paul Spooner saying that uh, all the young adults I look, like, I look at now were all little kids in the early days, and I'm just suddenly aged. Every time I come in here, I feel decades older, so... I think that's whatever, that's a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, yeah, we all are. I, Peter's just arrived back. You're getting the jet-lagged version. He just arrived back this week from New Zealand, which I didn't go to, so I'm a lot more sprightly than he is. Uh, he's the medicated version. <laughs> no. Anyway, we are excited. God's doing so much in the city. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, we work... About 70% of our lives is amongst the poor, the inner city churches. We've got a real heart to see the gospel come through, prevailing churches exist, where Jesus is enough. We don't need thrones. We don't need doom. We don't need anything in our services. We need to glorify God and see all people drawn to him. So we've got a real heart to bring that across into our nation and see it changed and touched with the gospel and Peter is great at that. He is my favorite person, so it's great to introduce him. I better shut up now. But it's good to be here. Thank you. Great. You may be a little bit worried about the medicated version of Peter Rasmussen. Uh, but it's just allergics. <laughs> I, what you may not know is that New Zealand is blanketed in, a, in literally a, a half a centimeter of pollen. Uh, at this time of the year, and I arrived in, and it all just said hello. Uh, I also bring greetings from Rory. I actually chatted to him yesterday. Uh, his son, uh, Thomas, took over the captaincy of the baby box yesterday afternoon, for those of you that watched, and, uh, and I just wanted to congratulate him, and he sends his love to you this morning as well, so I think that's a good thing. Always good to honor our past and continue to live in this incredible prophetic future that God has for us. And um, I'm really, really excited about that. I was praying for you before I preach. So whenever, whenever the clock starts, uh, I don't know, do you have clocks? I, I was preaching in a place the other day, and I leaned over to one of the elders, and I said, how long have I got? He says, 23 minutes. I said, are you sure it's not 24? <laughs> I may just need an extra minute or two. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're on God's time. I, I, I've, I really enjoyed preaching here last time. Uh, and and uh, that's not often happens for me the first time when I preach with people because sometimes you don't know me that well. And, and, and so I kind of enjoy the second time more. Uh, so be kind to me. But, but love being with you and, and just have such an incredible sense of God's prophetic statement that you are uh, to the city. And, and I'm here to remind you of that again. And I was, as I was praying for you this morning, uh, as I often do with local churches, just really trusting God to say something to me that's important to you. And I got nothing. And, and the Lord kept taking me to one scripture, just the same scripture. And I felt the Lord say uh, to me this morning, just read that over them. And so I'm reading the scripture and, and it's a little bit of a, a chunky piece, but I felt that in it, there's a prophetic thing that God wants to speak over you. So here it is in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech with 
all that they, where am I? Sorry, verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. There's some of you sitting with stuff against you. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. And he has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. <laughs> Don't you want that? Don't you want that to be yours? You should never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quieten you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The Lord will exult over you, Glenrich, with loud singing. And I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I'll deal with your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I will change their shame into praise and renown and renown in all the earth. And at that time I will bring you in and at that time I will gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised amongst all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. There is a renown of the Lord in this house. There is a heritage that stretches way beyond you into the nations of the earth. I, I was with Mark and Colette uh, Misk in Hamilton, ministering with them for the evening, and, and we spoke about Glenrich. Uh, everywhere I go in the world, I run into people who have had their early run, their early kind of initial call from God right here in this house. Your renown stretches way beyond you. You may not know this. Maybe you have arrived in the last month or two or three into the life of this church. Maybe even the last year or two. But the Lord is restoring something in your midst. He's restoring the echo of his presence, the, 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 the bassoon, the loudness of his song out of you again. And he wants to speak to the nation, to the city again through you, reach, releasing and restoring and sending people out into the nations of the world. I know I've said a little more than just read the scripture, but I was so inspired by that scripture for you this morning as I waited upon the Lord. And I read it again and again and again for you. And I'm sure that's not a new scripture to you. It would surprise me if other people have not said it over you and read it for you because it is what the Lord is saying to you at this time. So my clock starts. Here we go. I have been stuck preaching two topics for the whole year. Two topics only, because I felt from the Lord a word to the church. One is about the greatness of God, and the other is about joy. So when it comes to ministering to a local church, I'm kind of stuck into the idea, of which one is it going to be? And because the Lord is saying, hey, I want to say something to my people. There's something I want to renew in them and do in them at this time. And then I kind of throw away my old notes and redo the notes again and, and kind of get a couple of new, fresh things into it. And, and, and that's what the Lord has done for me today. So I am here to speak about joy. And there's two reasons for today's message to you this morning. It is our most effective tool in reaching people. 
We don't realize it, but people have to fall in love with us first before they fall in love with Jesus. So if there is no joy in us, if your face has not reflected the incredible life that is in you, something's not really kind of made its way all the way up into something of who you are yet. Well, I want to tell you that the most effective tool you have in reaching people lies right here. Right here in your demeanor, in your life, in your speech, in what comes out of your countenance and your face. That the world would see that Jesus Christ is alive. They would fall in love with you. And therefore, they will fall in love with Jesus, who you love. The second thought I have for you this morning is joy is the secret weapon of our soul. You see, joy here means life here. Life here means joy here. Vice versa. It goes both ways. Something happens to us when joy is the rhythm, is the song that is within us in our lives. I was driving from Cape Town uh, down just moving my daughter earlier this year and listening to some songs by a Danish friend of mine. And, and uh, they're mostly in Danish. And, and, and so he's recorded the CD. I'm listening to this kind of thing of songs. And I get onto one song. You remember that old hymn, Blessed Assurance? Um, and he had translated that into Danish. And he was singing this in Danish while I was driving, and I pressed repeat when I hit that song. Hanna min glæde, Hanna min sang, Ham vil jeg prise livsdagen lang. I can still speak the language of it, that Danish Nordic language. And I was singing into the song, and I was singing over and over again, and it's actually better in Danish than in English, and I'm sorry to say. Because it's, it, this is my story, this is my song. That's not what it says. In Danish, it says, he is my joy, and he is my song. He's my joy, and he is my song. And I sang it over and over again, because there was something that God wanted to give to his people. Um, Psalm 51 and verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. The world has changed a bit over the last two to three years. And, and it's not just all the obvious stuff that we see all the time, like economic pressure and people having died from disease or, or job losses. And those are all true and real things that are happening in the world in which we live. I'm talking potentially about a much bigger problem. A problem with our heads. A problem up here in our minds. That the mental health of people, the struggle in their minds, the anxiety levels, the fear that people struggle with up here has become an issue in the world. A large international sample was surveyed recently and the results are in and they go like this. 25.5% of us report us having high levels of anxiety. That's the world. 243 have developed full-blown symptoms of depression. 30.9 shows symptoms of both of those. 13.3% have shown new symptoms of substance abuse through these last three years. 107 have seriously considered suicide in the last 30 days. I arrived into the U.S. a little bit earlier this year and listened, turned on the news, listened to the news, and when I turned on the news, the first thing they said was that teenage suicide in the U.S. was up 100%. 
The additional challenges is that more and more younger people are ex exhibiting symptoms of mental stress up here in their heads. High blood pressure, insomnia, eating disorders, memory and concentration problems. Okay, we have a problem. I think it's obvious to everyone that the world is under some pressure right now. And I'm not here to attempt to wave some kind of magic wand over your life and say, oh, no, that's all going to disappear today. But I am here to say that God provides a way out, and the way is joy. Joy is his way. So here comes my theology of joy for you. Joy is not happiness. You see, happiness is about what makes me feel good in any one moment. I'm, I'm feeling like, oh, this really was wonderful, great cup of coffee. I'm feeling happy. But joy is not happiness. Joy is about those things that come to us, the experiences we have in the world. Joy, really, is about what happens deep inside of my soul. And happiness is about the stuff that happens experientially on the outside. But what's going on deep inside of my soul you see, down here below, and, and, and in, in Nehemiah 8, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the strength of your life doesn't happen out here experientially. It happens deep on the inside. I don't know whether they managed to stick up that little, that little graphic of mine. Did they, did they get it done, Nick? Ah, there it is. So happiness fluctuates up and down depending how you're doing. Do you have enough money to make it to the end of the month is, you know, is... Is, is, is today a good day or a bad day for you? And it hops up and down, but something else is going on deep within you. The joy of the Lord that runs like a river flowing deep within you, constant, consistent. And you need to dip into that river. You cannot rely on what's going on and touching the outside of your life. If you do, you will be just like the rest of the world, full of anxiety and struggles. You will be down the bottom sometimes and high up on the other times, and life happens to you. But we can't rely on it. We have to dip into this incredible river of joy, the constant river flowing on the inside of us. Joseph Campbell says this, participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. We can choose to live in joy. You can choose to dip into the river that runs deep within you. This river of salvation, this river of life. You can dip into it and you can be moved by God. And as you pop your head out, you're in a different place. This is the power of the Christian life. Joy is connected to my new birth. I'm saved, therefore I have joy. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You have made known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence with you is fullness of joy. The world can rage around me, but I have joy. My house can burn down, but I have joy. I don't have a job right now. But I have joy. I have life in Jesus Christ. I have a river that constantly gives energy and flows on the inside of me and gives life to me. Most people operate in the inferior position of happiness. And I'm not saying you should be happy. In fact, I, I, part of, of, of 
kind of prepping for this is that I've learned to laugh a little more. It's almost like life gets too, you know, it gets a little serious, right? And, and, and so I rewatched, to the great consternation of my family, I rewatched all the Trevor Noah uh, uh, comedy shows. I, I fell off my chair many times. I'm rolling around just, just laughing. And it reminds you, laughter reminds you of what happens here. It reminds you of what is going on in here. Some of you need to be reminded again, you are not laughing enough. And laughter is medicine and health to your bones. It works through you. It reminds you of this incredible river of life that floods within you. Rewatching some of those Trevor Noah shows and just being reminded to laugh again. C.S. Lewis says that joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Happiness is fleeting. And if you pin your hope on it, you will be disappointed. You see, you end up wanting the world to make you happy. And I bet that somewhere in the course of our life, maybe you're looking at your partner, your husband, your wife, your mom or your dad or your sister, your brother, someone else owes me happiness. So they better make me happy. They better do the things that are going to make me happy. And we're looking to some other person to do something for us that actually we need to find life in a river for. We need to find life in the joy of God for. And we end up looking at someone else. And when they do not please us, when they do not make us happy, then we end up walking away from a marriage, away from a relationship, away from a thing, because we think that their job is to make me happy. The stuff that you get from God, you can only get from God. Stop looking at it from man. Stop looking at it for another relationship. Stop looking at someone else to please you and make you happy. When in fact the joy that comes from heaven flowing within you is where you ought to live so that everything that happens to you can be a blessing to your life. That's how we ought to live. People end up feeling like they deserve happiness. And they complain bitterly when the world makes them unhappy. Load shedding and moaning, moaning. Like Habakkuk in the Old Testament, the prophet, moans and complaints. So he had so many of them that they were named. Moan number one, moan number two. Some people I meet, they're just like moaning about stuff. Stop moaning and living in the, rather live in the joy of God. See the joy of it. I'm sitting on two buckets the other day. And this is just before I went to New Zealand. My, my mate Sazi and Bato is sitting on one bucket, and I'm sitting on another bucket in a shack on the backside of Komoshu. And, and he's making tea for me. His mom is sleeping on a single bed. And him and his brothers, two of them, share that bed at night inside a room that is no more than two and a half by two meters, a shack. And him and I are sitting here, and we're discussing how we're going to plant a church together. And, and his brothers run off to the house because they have no electricity, and, and they, they are, you know, cooking up some water and using a secondhand tea bag to make tea for me, sitting on a bucket in a shack. How can there be, how can there be anything good in that, Pete? You say, I have the right, I have the right to moan. Oh, if you could just be on that bucket. 
If you could just sit on the back and see the potential of heaven in the moment of a shack, in the moment of what God can do with a man, breaking the bonds of poverty, breaking out into the possibilities of heaven. I know this young man will do just that. With a second-hand tea bag. Because heaven believes. Can you break out of your moaning and your struggles and your complaints and dip into the river that is constant, committed to driving an inner agenda in you rather than constantly living by the circumstances of your life? Bishop Desmond Tutu, who recently passed away, wrote, Discovering more joy does not save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we may laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive. Yet as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. We need to be more alive that we're reminded of the life of God that makes our senses more alive to the presence of God, to the life of God in our ordinary lives. God wants to use all of that. A bland samness descends upon people's lives and freedom lies in joy. There are some incredible effects of joy that I can see for you as a local church and I felt to remind you this morning of what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. The first incredible effect of joy is victory over our minds. You see, if circumstances is the only driver, then my mind is assailed by unproductive thoughts all the time. My circumstances speak to me. There's more month than there's money. There's more issues going on. There is more stuff happening in my life, talking to me all the time because it is the only thing that informs me. And I'm here to tell you, it's not a good informer. You should not live by what you see alone and by what you hear alone. The scripture encourages us to live beyond those things into what God has said. Romans 8, 5. For those who live... According to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We are men and women that set our minds on things of the Spirit. We can see past buckets and ten shacks and lack of power and struggles in economies. We look right through them and see the potential of heaven. We have eyes to see something beyond the thing that informs us how we live. An infusion of joy sets our minds free from the tyranny of our own struggles. Joy creates the filter through which I can view the world. And some of you, friends, I, I'm, you, 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 maybe you're a serious personality. You're a serious person. I'm here to say to you today, stop it. Just, just laugh a little more. Tell your face to put a smile on it. Just, just get, get, get up. one of your matrices. Tell me a good joke. Tell, talk to me. Something. I, something needs to remind you that it's more than your circumstances that are speaking. Because the world will be attracted 
to someone who lives in the joy of God and who lives in the life, life of God. The second thought I have for you this morning is we have victory over fear and anxiety. If ever there was a season where people are driven into fear, it's this one. Psalm 94, 19. When anxiety was great within me, your comfort brought me joy. Your comfort brought me joy. When anxiety was great, when stuff was raging in my head, when things in my natural life did not make sense and I couldn't work it out, your comfort brought me joy. Joy is something beyond the circumstances of my life. It gives me victory over fear and anxiety. We live with an overwhelming amount of information, don't we? You open your phone, you go onto Facebook, you go onto Instagram, you get all this information. And let me be honest with you, a lot of the information you get is not true. It's just information. It's a lot of stuff coming. This or that or, you know, COVID and stuff and things and inflation rates. And I arrived into the UK earlier this year. And as we arrived in Corinth and I landed, the first thing on the front page in the newspaper, that inflation had risen to pre-war levels in the UK. That's, that's the second world war levels in the UK. So the world is in trouble, and it's easier for us to look at it and say, I have, I have a bond. You know, I, I've, got, I've, I've got loans. I've got a car I've got to pay off. Pete, you don't understand. The, the interest rates are going up. Yes, they are. And they'll go up some more. Aren't you, aren't you happy that you're not hooked into the bank for everything? But did you have a source, you have a life that provides an anchor for you, a connection into Christ, a connection into joy, that when you look at your interest rates going up and you know you're paying two, three hundred rand more next month, you're saying, where, where is that going to come from? Aren't you glad that the system that you're relying on is not that one. But that you've hooked into something that sets you free from the fear. That when you look at the figures, they produce fear in you, anxiety in you. But you're not, the figures, God supersedes the figures. He looks beyond the figures, says, I am your resource. I will do great things. I will work for you. Khan and I, when we handed over the local church that we led up in Hillcrest, sold our house. The Lord told us to give the money away, which we did. All of it. So now we had nothing. And we're standing uh, by chance in a tent south of the city. And we look at each other, and I know the Lord speaks to me the moment I walk into the tent, buy a piece of land. And I know I don't have any money to buy the land. I'm not... I'm a realist too. I think, well, I don't have the money. But the Lord says, buy a piece of land. And I don't want to put pressure on Corin to buy a piece of land, so I'm kind of settling up next to her. And we just happened to be there by chance. You know, we didn't really plan to go there. So we're there in this tent and doing our thing and looking around. And I said, what do you think? She says, I really feel we need to buy a piece of land. I said, oh, I'm with that idea. So not having any intention... We go in, we sign papers, and all the savings we have in the world, 150,000 rand, I sign over. Not realizing that 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a youngster. I'm, I'm, I'm 59, and, and the bank's not that excited about loaning me money anymore. Kind of think, when's he going to die? You know, they're not thrilled. Anyway, so I'm struggling to get cover and, and, and for the rest of the payment. And eventually a mate of mine steps in and says, no, I'll cover it. I know you're good for it, Pete. And a year from now, uh, when you pay for the land, uh, you, you'll, you'll have the money. So I said, I'm excited. You got faith for me. But, but I'm hanging on to the word of the Lord. When God says something, miracles begin to happen from that moment. People that owe me money begin to pay me back. Not one source, not two, not me asking, never asked for a cent. People involuntarily begin to pay me back money. Taxman pays me back money. A man in Holland, now this is, I preached in a church in Holland. A man in Holland who doesn't know me says, who's, he goes to his pastor and says, who's that guy that preached in our church? Oh, no, that's Peter, Peter Rasmussen. Do you mind giving me his number? He says, I had a dream about him. In the dream, I'm standing in the dream. He's busy buying a piece of land. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, help him buy it. 5,000 euros. 5,000 euros, 88,000 rand arrive into my account from some guy who has a dream about me on the other side of the world. We come to the end of the year, this year, and I say to Corin, we better start making a plan. Because, you know, around December, January, there's not a lot of money around. It's not like, and we're still 210,000 rand short of paying for the land. And we've got to pay in January. So, you know, you know what you're like. You're just like me. You start making, phoning, the, can we get a loan and a thing? And what can we do? And the Lord says, I got it. So, so City Hill up the road, they're busy moving some RAs around, and they send a guy down to me and says, you've got to sign some paperwork. So I signed the paperwork. He says to me, do you know that, that years ago you had a policy with Old Mutual? So I said, no, I did. I said, the only problem is the guy who, who organized those policies for City Hill stole all the money and went to jail in Westville Prison. I knew him. I visited him in prison. He stole all of our money. And that's the truth. So I said, no, it's all gone. There's, there's no money there. Said, no, there was a little piece he couldn't touch. And it's still there. I said, he says, you're, you're over 55. You can have it tax-free. I said, listen, any amount would be great. I said, just, he says, can I organize it for you? One week later, 210,000 rand <laughs> arrive into our account. Aren't you glad that the things that determine how you live are not just the things you hear and see. But that when God speaks to you, when he informs you about something here, that he works incredible miracles in our lives. We have victory over anxiety and fear. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What are you going to live by? All the things you feel, hear and see? Happiness driving the agenda of your life? One week you're up, next week you're down. One week you're struggling with your relationship, next week you're not. And it's all good and up and down all the time. Or are you going to live in the consistent flow of the river of God's joy? 
where you're informed by the word that God has spoken rather than the feelings that you may feel in any one moment. Who can lie to you? Your own feelings can lie to you. But what has God said? The third and final thought I have for you this morning is that joy is our witness to the world. Joy is our witness to the world. We have a song in the midst of our complaint. I know that <clears throat> last time I was with you, aren't you glad I took a couple of allergy? No, I'm telling you. <clears throat> there we go. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this to you last time, but, but I, I was reading Habakkuk a little bit, and, and here's this guy who's just complaints, complaints one, complaint two, complaint three, and, and the complaints are coming thick and fast, and, and then God gives him a song. In the midst of his complaint. Oh man. And here's the song in chapter 3 and verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom. Nor there be fruit on the vines. The produce of the olive fail. And the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold. There be no herd in the stalls. Yet. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Even though, even though I have all these complaints and all these struggles in my life, yet a song, it actually starts this little verse out and says, a, a song according to Shigionoth, a song according to a rhythm, a song according to some kind of tune. They didn't know what to call it, so they, they just left that strange word in there, most of your Bibles. God wants to give you a new song, a Shigionoth, a song of your own in the midst of your complaint, in the midst of your struggle, that actually the witness that we have to the world is a song, a new song that God puts in our heart, a song that comes out of this community. And it is not about how good you are at singing. Maybe you're a singer like me. You know, you stand in the shower and your family regret it deeply, but you are committed to singing. Like Pavarotti, you do your thing. In the shower. Maybe you do that. Maybe you don't do it particularly well. But it's time to sing again. It's time to sing. It's time for the song of the Lord to rise up in our hearts again. And to begin to sing our way out of the complaints and the struggles. And remind us that joy is the river that flows within us. It's time for the song of the Lord to rise up in your mouth again. To sing prophetically over your own life, over your own family, over your own future and over your city. It's time. There's an anointing of the Lord on you, Glenbridge, to sing a new song. To sing a new song. Living a life. Fulfilled by joy. Hannah min glether, Hannah min sang. Humble your peace, you stay in lang. He is my joy. He is my song. Him, He, He's the one that I will praise my whole life long. We need a new song. Psalm 40, verse 2. And He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. 
Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. When a new song rises out of your heart, in the boardrooms, in the schools, in the varsities, in the workplaces of our city. Say, well, Peter, I'm not a singer, and I'm not talking about singing. I hope you know. But I'm talking about something rising up within you, a prophetic sense of God's song, God's word over you. I used to sing a song regularly over my own life. That song, I will not fear. I will not fear, and I will not fear. The Lord is for me. Who can be against me? The Lord is for me. Who can be against me? I shall not fear. I shall not fear. The Lord is for me. I shall not fear. Find a song. Find a, there's a theme over your life. There's a song over your family. And some of you have lost your song. You've lost the prophetic sense of what God has said over you. My mom and dad, while I was still a twinkle in my dad's eye, they decided we are called by God to go to Africa. No children had been born yet. About 12 years later, there were five of us, and I was the oldest. And you know what's common about me and my brother's names? My name is Peter Rasmussen. Now, Rasmussen's a very common Danish name. It's the third most common surname in Denmark, after Hansen and Jensen. Common, not here. And my folks figured that that's going to be a problem in an English-speaking context because God's called us. You know what they named all of us boys? My name is Peter William Rasmussen. My brother's name is John William Rasmussen. My other brother is David William Rasmussen, and then Michael William Rasmussen. You know why? Because we dump Rasmussen, we become William. That just never stuck. But before they even started their lives together as husband and wife, they had a dream. They had a call. What's the song over your life? What's the message that causes you to rename your children, that causes you to sing over your future? What is it that God has said that you, that you somehow lost along the way? I am here as a prophetic statement this morning to remind you what God, song God is singing over your life. What song prophetically has been spoken over you? Because that is what produces joy in us. Inexpressible joy. I'll really show my age now. But back in the ark with Noah, we used to sing these songs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Remember that old song? There's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Like you probably got to be over 40 to remember that one. There's a river of life flowing out of you. There's a song rising up within you. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Reminds you again of what the Spirit of all has spoken over you. Would you mind this morning standing up to your feet? Everybody in this room, and I know 
If you don't feel like standing, that's okay. You can stay seated, but I would love for you to stand. As we look at the scriptures, in the beginning of Matthew, it says, we started with Adam, and Adam begat so-and-so, and begat so-and-so, and begat, and begot, begat, begot, begat, begot, whatever it is. And there's a whole long row. You get all the way to David, and then you go David to this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and then Joseph, and then Christ. As we stand here this morning, you're not standing in isolation on your own. You're into a family, a wider community that God has called to reach the world. You're part of something much bigger than yourself, much greater than just one local church. Because God's plans are bigger than just me and my family, bigger than my thing or even one church. So as we stand here this morning, standing up, I want it to be a declaration that we see ourselves part of a multi-generational, stretching back for thousands of years. And I happen to stand now in the front of my family. I say, here we are. It's time to sing a song again. A song of the redeemed. A song of of the nations, a song of the heritage that I come out of. I'm not alone. You may feel alone today. It says, I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Look back. Look back. Christ saved you and put you into family. And as you look back, multiple generations of men and women that have gone before, given up their lives, laid down their lives, sawn in half, the scripture says, because they saw Jesus Christ and his beauty, and his sacrifice. We haven't seen it. We have known it. It's become ours. So it's time to sing a new song again. Close your eyes for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit. You ask the Holy Spirit right now to remind you again of what your song is. Remind you, in this quiet moment, the prophetic word that he's spoken over your life, over your family, remind you again, because that joy, that life that comes when that song is sung, takes you beyond the circumstances of your life. It makes the impossible possible. It makes him the provider, not just you. Would you trust again? Would you lean into this prophetic sense of what God has said again? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Remind us again of these words, these songs, these things that you want sung out of us. If God before me who can be against me? Whom shall I fear? Who shall I fear? Let your river of life, 
Let the joy that runs like a river within us, let the river of life flood through us. Plant churches, reach people, touch lives, heal and restore the sick. I pray in Jesus' name. We don't need marching orders anymore. The marching orders have already been given. We don't need to be reminded that you are here and there and everywhere because you've already come and you're everywhere. We don't need more stuff, more prayer, more things because all things have already been given to us in Jesus Christ. We receive it. We walk in it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every eye open, everyone looking around for a moment, not hiding now, that if you have come into this place and you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to commit your life to Him. Enough of walking in the dark, walking around in darkness. Hey, who wants to walk in darkness? But a great light has come. And his name is Jesus Christ. He died upon the cross for your sin. And if you would come and put your trust in him, he saves you completely and utterly. Is this moment. So Father, I thank you for your grace that is enough. That all of the past, all of the sin, all of the struggles, the moment these men and women walked out of their seat, something happened. A supernatural thing happened. Their lives were instantly transformed because you are the one calling them, not me. You called them to yourself to be sons and daughters of the living God. Their sin is washed away, forgotten, gone as far as the east is from the west so they can live free from sin and struggles from this moment on. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your grace that is more than enough. And that their lives would reflect this new song. A new song of salvation that God is singing in them and over them and out through their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it. Pray with them for a second. I'm handing over to Nick.